You're listening to the Hope Assembly podcast with Pastor Ryan Day. For more information, you can visit us online at hopeassembly.org. Please enjoy this week's sermon. Again, thank you for being here today. We're going to conclude today. We're going to conclude our series seven. We're on the seventh statement of Jesus. So we've been walking through the seven statements that Jesus made from the cross. Now, today marks Palm Sunday, and Palm Sunday is the beginning of what's known as Holy Week. We have the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem riding on the back of a donkey, people singing and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, um, as Jesus is entering Jerusalem leading up to uh, Monday, Thursday, leading up to Good Friday, and into Resurrection Sunday. Now, we've been talking about the seven statements of Jesus, which are um, specifically about the statements that Jesus made from the cross on Good Friday. And I thought it's good for us to conclude those seven statements today and then spend this week taking some time and reflecting on what we call Passion Week or Holy Week. All of the events that led up to the death and then eventually the resurrection of Jesus that we will celebrate on Easter Sunday. And in this whole series, we've been talking about this this thought process of Jesus said to his disciples that if anyone desires to come after me, he must uh, first deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And that the disciples in that moment probably had no idea what he meant when he said, take up your cross and follow me. Uh, They probably were wondering, is he speaking about a, a physical, literal crucifixion um, that they were familiar with because they were under the uh, the oppression of Rome who invented crucifixion uh, or, or the cross as capital punishment. Um, but we know now looking back that what this means or this idea here is that, that we are to live this cruciform life, this life shaped by the cross, this life shaped by the ideas. And, and we learn a lot about the cross through the statements of Jesus on the cross. So we're in part seven, the seventh statement of Jesus. Um, we find it in Luke chapter 23, verses 44 through 46. Luke 23, if you have your Bible there, Luke chapter 23, we're starting at verse 44 and read through 46. So just two verses here. It says, It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, because the sun's light failed. The temple curtain was torn in two. Verse 46, Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And after he said this, he breathed his last. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I want to share with you a quote. This is a quote that I've used many times before, um, but I think it's so relevant to today's sermon. And that quote is by Frederick Buckner, and it says this. He says this, Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. And I just want that to be tucked in maybe into the back of your mind as we talk through this last statement of Jesus, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. As we talk about this last element of this series seven, these seven statements of Jesus, here is the world, beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. 
Now, a few thoughts about this last statement in this text that we've read. I think it's important to note that it's interesting, this, this detail that Luke provides in his account here. And this detail is this, that from noon to 3 p.m., so for about three hours, darkness covered the whole land. He, he goes on to say, because the sun's light failed. And what that means, we don't really know. Like, did the sun actually just go out? Probably not. Uh, more than likely, there was just sort of a darkness, a clouds covered over, a heaviness that covered over. Is probably using some imagery here. Um, more than likely, it physically felt very dark. Perhaps the sun was blocked by the darkness of the clouds overhead. You can imagine sitting there in that moment as a spectator. Uh, looking on and all of a sudden at noon these sort of clouds roll in this darkness sort of rolls in over the land and for three hours there's this heavy heavy darkness you can imagine that it was very surreal feeling for them when I thought about this idea of this darkness settling over uh, for us here in Oregon um, just about a, just over a year ago now or just excuse me just under a year ago now we had in, an incredible amount of forest fires happening around us and it produced a, an insane amount I've never seen this before an insane amount of smoke and heaviness in the air and there were times literally where you went outside and it was the middle of the day but it felt as if it was evening. It felt as if it was um, at least at dusk time where the sun had already set, even though the sun was in, at the noon hours at the top of the sky and it felt so surreal and so dark and so heavy. It kind of reminded me of this statement that Luke is making here about Jesus and the cross, that there was this darkness that settled in this really surreal moment. I remember walking outside and just noticing how dark it looked, even in the middle of the day, this sort of clouded darkness over us. And I can imagine in this moment at the cross, probably 10x what that felt like uh, for me. And I thought to myself, like how many of us um, have felt this sort of darkness in our lives, maybe not physically, but maybe spiritually or emotionally in our lives. We felt this sort of heaviness, this, this kind of darkness where it seems like the sun has failed, the light of the sun. There's no light breaking through. Everything feels darkness. We wrestle sometimes with life and with relationships. We wrestle sometimes with addictions and with our health, with our failures, whatever those things may be. But how often do we feel like darkness has settled in upon us? I think another interesting thing that Luke talks about here in the scripture is the temple curtain. He says, it's just one sentence. In this one sentence, he says, the temple curtain was torn in two. Just like, uh, say, let me just throw out a thought here. As I'm passing through this, darkness has settled on for three hours and the temple, you know, veil was torn in two. This is an interesting detail that Luke is giving to us. Others have given us this detail as well, but the temple curtain was torn in two. And the temple curtain, for those who don't know, was this veil, this, this curtain that separated the Holy of Holies in the temple. That was the place where God dwelt on the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies from the inner court. 
And now it separated the Holy of Holies from the inner court because nobody was able to see God. Nobody could actually get into the presence of God except for the high priest and only once a year through the sacrificial system um, and by blood it talks about. And so there's a lot to that. I don't want to get into all of that, but it's an interesting note that Luke says, listen, this this veil that separated where God dwelled and where man dwelled, this was torn in two. And this, this veil is estimated to be like 60 feet tall at this time. And the veil itself was like four inches thick. And not only was it torn in two, but it was torn in two from the top to the bottom, many believe signifying that God tore the veil in two, not that man from the bottom up would signify maybe man, someone got in there and tore the veil. But no, this signifies from the top to the bottom that that 60 feet up that God himself was tearing the veil as Jesus was dying on the cross. Perhaps from the moment where he said to Telestai, like we talked about last week, it is finished into this father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Somewhere in this moment, the veil and the temple, the curtain, was torn from the top to the bottom. And this symbolizes our access, man's access to God's presence, humanity's access to God's presence. But not necessarily as we think. Um, I've often thought of it this way, that now we can enter into God's presence but I wanted to share this with you. I thought it was interesting. Chad Bird, a professor and theologian, posed this idea that what if the torn veil let God out and not man in? That God, uh, through the it is finished work of Jesus, surprised the entire cosmos by breaking out of the Holy of Holies and bringing his holiness to all, anywhere, everywhere. Matter of fact, Chad Bird said it like this in this quote. He said, God liquidates the Holy of Holies into a font of water and splashes sanctification on us unwashed, unholy sinners, thereby crowning us kings and queens of God. He bakes the Holy of Holies into a circle of bread, ferments it into a sip of wine, and bids us digest his love. Even the mere speaking of his words showers us with sanctity as these nouns and verbs, like a flock of holy birds, come and nest in our hearts. I think that that is such beautiful imagery. He's talking about the Eucharist, the, the bread and the wine, the cup, this, this do this in remembrance of me idea that the holiness of God is broken forth out of the holy of holies and is flooding the entire world wherever anyone will receive the holiness of God. It is readily present and available to us in our relationships, readily present and available to us in the food and drink, in joy, in life, in moments of, of, of uh, triumph, in moments of suffering, the holiness of God has broken forth on our behalf. And I think that is a beautiful thought, maybe something to think about this week during Holy Week. But the last thing I want to sort of think about here is this statement itself 
Father, into thy hands I commit, or into your hands I commit my spirit. This seventh statement of Jesus, it's a powerful reminder of really an earlier statement that Jesus had made. And that earlier statement was this, that Jesus said, no one will take my life from me. He said, the son of man, referring to himself, will lay, I will lay my life down and I will take my life up again. That earlier Jesus was saying that he will will or orchestrate the release of his own spirit, the release of his own life. And here in the seventh statement of Jesus, we see this very thing happening, that they were not able to kill Jesus like they killed everybody else. No bones were broken in his body. He willed or orchestrated the giving up of his own spirit, Father into your hands do I commit my spirit. Some versions say that he gave up the ghost, he breathed his last breath, the, the spirit departed. That spirit means the ruach, the, the animating life of, of, of Jesus left him. Now, I want to share a quote from Fleming Rutledge. I've been sharing a lot about are uh, from Fleming Rutledge. I've read a couple of her books around the idea of Jesus on the cross and the statements of Jesus from the cross. She's a wonderful, wonderful, um, uh, oh, I forget. She's an, not the, I think she's an oof, Episcopalian priest. I forget. Anglican I don't know. She's a, a, a wonderful lady, a woman of God, priest, theologian of her own right. Um, but reflecting, she was reflecting on the life and teaching of one of her own mentors, a man by the name of Paul Lehman, who was also a theologian and a teacher. And here's what she said about Paul uh, Lehman. She said this, he taught me in words and example that the life of a Christian is lived in the tension between my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. She goes on to ask, what does it mean to live between those two sayings of Jesus from the cross? So her mentor taught her, sort of showed her this idea that the life of a Christian is lived in the tension between these two statements. Remember, it was a couple of weeks ago we talked about the statement where Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And here in this moment, we have, Father, into your hands do I commit my spirit. It makes me think that Jesus sort of demonstrated this idea earlier in the Holy Week. Um, earlier in this evening, after Jesus had broke bread and... and um, shared the Passover meal with his disciples. He then took them to the Garden of Gethsemane and he went to pray with them. And the scriptures tell us that as Jesus went and prayed, that there was such an intensity to the weight of what he was facing, the prayers that he was praying, that he was sweating and that his sweat became like great drops of blood. So this is a very intense scenario that Jesus, a lot of tension as Jesus is praying. And in this tension, Jesus said, Father, let this cup pass before me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. 
That's sort of the tension of life. It's the same sort of idea in my mind of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, let this cup pass before me. This is difficult. This is a struggle. There is darkness. There is tension. And also, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, or nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. That Jesus was showing us from the Garden of Gethsemane what it was going to be like on the cross, that there would be great agony to the depths that you would feel forsaken, and yet able to still fulfill the will of God by committing your spirit into God's hands, committing your life into the hands of God. And so I, I would want us to think this week about this idea that life is difficult and life is scary. And um, it's full of, of ups and downs, mountaintop experience, victory, exciting, woohoo type moments, and also lots of very low valleys and difficult times and weeping and sorrow. Um, but in all of this, God is good and God is gracious and God is ever present. It's, it's, it's a difficult thing to think through the tension of life. It's that, you know, old question, like if God is so good, why do, why do bad things happen? This is the tension of life. Like we live in a world where bad things happen, life happens, but that does not change how good God is. We experienced once again this week, a tragedy in our nation. I was myself shook because my children live in Boulder. My oldest son and his wife live in Boulder, Colorado. Perhaps they go to the King Supers regularly to shop. That same King Supers that a man went in and shot and killed 10 people. The, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me moments of life, the tragic moments of life, the questioning God moments of life happen. And in those moments, we have to learn how to say, in this moment, Father, into your hands, I commit my life. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. I will, I will relieve myself of having to control all of this stuff. And I will release myself, my life, my will into your hands. The tension in life is so real, my friends. Um, there's so many moments. You can probably name them yourself. So many moments of the, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You've probably had plenty in your own life. I know I have. But what would it look like if we can learn to release those moments into the hands of God? to live the cruciform life that when we feel forsaken, when we feel like darkness has settled in, we can still, in those tense, difficult moments, say, God, I commit my life, I commit my spirit into your hands. My life belongs to you. Have your way in me in this moment. See, ultimately, the cruciform life is a life that practices 
surrendering the tension of this life, the good and the bad, into the hands of the Father. Again, I'm reminded of what Frederick Buckner said. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. Let's pray. Lord, it is oftentimes difficult for us because our first response is oftentimes fear. In the difficult, tense moments of life, oftentimes we default to fear. We try to put it all back together. We try to reason. We try to do all of these things. Lord, help us to learn the cruciform life. Help us to learn how to release the tensions of life into your hands. Just like Jesus taking his last breath in this tragic moment on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. May we commit our lives, our spirits into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, let me pray this prayer over you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you. We'll see you in person next week, 10 a.m. at Wood Middle School as we celebrate Easter together. See you then. Thank you for listening. It's our desire to lead people to know Christ and to make Him known. If you'd like to support the ministry of Hope Assembly, go to hopeassembly.org. Thank you for listening and God bless.